time for the sermon. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to I piggyback on what Sam said about family worship weekends because I'm in a stage of life that I'm really like, and I'm a grandparent, and sometimes when we talk about parenting stuff, us, those that are gran- oh, grandparents kind of check out, but I want you to know this may be more for us than even the parents because we have more time, more wisdom, hopefully, uh, more patience, more money than we did when we were young parents. And I recognize now that I have so much more to give to my grandson than I could ever give to my kids. And when we talk about parenting, uh, biblically, there's a responsibility of grandparents as well to their grandkids. And so I want you to take it seriously. I want you to translate what we talk about. Even if we don't say parents, down. And some of you have other relationships that you can practice these principles in. Because today is going to be so relevant to every one of our lives. We're talking about friendships. I have a friend here in the church that says it doesn't matter what you do as much as who you do it with. And I love that statement because just friends make life so much better. I remember back in elementary school, my very first friend was a little guy named Alan Fuller. Met him in second grade. Uh, We had a lot in common. We were both similar in personality, easygoing, a sense of humor. We both liked sports. We came from big families. We also walked the same direction home after school. So Alan and I would spend a lot of time at each other's houses. And I remember still the times that we would play two-on-one football in, in my gravel driveway. Me and Alan, and he was what I'd call uh, best bud. Now, I don't know uh, if you have someone you call your best bud, or some of you may have a BFF, or I learned, learned this week a bay, or, you know, whatever it is, before anyone else. So, so kids, especially kids, if you're here today and you have someone you'd call your best friend on the count of three, I want you to shout out the name of that friend, okay? I want you to say it real loud, okay? One, two, three. Darn, I didn't hear my name anywhere. But I heard a lot of other names and a lot of squeals, and, and we, we understand the importance of friendships. Friend, <laughs> thank you very much. Friends are, are so critical. And we're going to look at a passage today in, the, in a book in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes. Big name. It's really the book of a guy who's a preacher. He's the teacher. And we found him to be King Solomon. King Solomon was a powerful man. He was the ruler over a nation called Israel, which was God's people. And he wrote a book about lessons that he learned in life. And it seems like he's writing this to teach his children and teach other people some of the hard lessons he learned in life. And he learned a lot about friendship. And the section we're going to be in today is Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And before I read it, I want to ask you to do something. Because I believe every person in this room has a need for deep friendships. Every child in this room has a need for friends who make your life better. And so I want us to pray that God would open our eyes to the the power and the wisdom within these scriptures today. And that you'd leave this place today, um, for some of you, having made a new friend. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the lessons you speak through a man named Solomon. But friendship. I thank you, Lord, that we're gathered today here, many of us, with friends, people we've come to know and love within this church. But I pray that we would come to know you as a deep friend in our lives as we draw near to your word. So speak to us now. We pray through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to read in the Bible, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I'm going to start with verse 7. It says, I again saw something meaningless under the sun. Now, this whole book is about a guy who's looking under the sun, and and he looks at life, and it's pretty frustrating. And that's why our theme is not to live life under the sun, but to live life in the sun, meaning in a relationship with Jesus, because life under the sun is hard. He says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. 
There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. How many of you have heard of a video game called Minecraft? How many of you actually played a video game called Minecraft? Well, the guy that created it, his name was Marcus Person. He sold it to Microsoft for $2.5 billion. And with a big chunk of that money, he bought this, uh, this huge, insanely big mansion that has all kinds of rooms in it and bathrooms. And it has something very interesting your kids would really like. He has a wall that's filled with candy. Yes, that's what heaven should be like, right? All kinds of candy and jelly beans and, and everything you want. It, it's all there. And he has more money than he's ever had, more time than he's ever had. And yet this guy isn't doing very well. Because he's been sending out messages like this. He tweeted this. I'm able to do whatever I want and have never felt more isolated. How can you have so much money, so much time, so much candy, and so few friends? Just seems ironic, doesn't it? It's a lot like King Solomon. Had the biggest house in the world, had this palace, had, had hundreds of wives and hundreds and hundreds of children. There's people all around him day and night. He has servants galore. Um, he has money. He could do whatever he wants. And yet, he's learned some hard lessons. That sometimes when you, when you have everything else but friends, you feel pretty lonely. Do, do you know you can be surrounded by a lot of people and still be lonely? Do you know that you can go to a school that has hundreds of kids and be lonely? Do you know you can go to, go to a church filled with people and walk in and walk out and still feel lonely? Loneliness is a real issue. And that's why God made you for friendship. God made you and me for friendship. We go back to the creation story. In the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, put the stars in the sky, the sun there, put all the animals on the earth, um, the mammals, the, the sea creatures, the birds of the sky. And then he created a man in his own image. And Adam was able to name all the different animals. And yet while he was naming the animals, and as cute as the dog was, and as cuddly as the kitten was, and, and as big and beautiful as all these animals were, something was lacking. He could not have a, a personal relationship with any of these animals. He, he couldn't share his heart with any of those animals. And so the Bible says this, very amazing passage, Genesis 2.18. God said, it is not good for man to be what? Alone. Alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So he made a woman. A lot similar than the man in most respects, but some pleasantly different parts. And so, so God made a man and a woman, and they eventually became husband and wife. But you need to know first that the reason he made them was not to get married and have children. First was to remove the loneliness. That is really the first purpose of marriage, is to remove the loneliness, to have someone to share life with. And they had kids. They had, they had a lot of kids. We don't know how many kids they had, but ever since that time, children have been born into this thing called a family. It, that every boy and girl that's ever been born God designed for them to be born into a family. I know there's some exceptions where that didn't happen. Didn't happen the way God intended. But God intends for children to be raised up in a home where there's a mom and a dad helping to raise them up. And we're all longing for that. 
We're all longing for that place of belonging. The Bible says in Psalm 68 that God sets the lonely where? In families. So there should be nobody on this planet who's alone because they belong to a family. Now, in your family, you'll have your first friendships more than likely. As a little, little baby, it'll be mom or dad. They'll, they'll become your parent, but they'll also become your friend. And if you have brothers and sisters, they'll, they'll become your playmates, and you'll develop friendships. I know kids who grow up, and their brother or sister has become their best friend still today as adults. They have an issue, they'll call their brother or sister. I know, I know people who've grown up, and their mom and dad have become their best friends. That they don't want to do anything uh, without, without talking to mom or dad first. That if they could choose anyone to hang out with, for a holiday or go on vacation with, it would be mom or dad. That's awesome. That is so awesome when kids see mom and dad as friends. But a lot of us said, I, I know my parents raised me, but I don't want to hang out with them. You know, they're not the kind of people that I would choose as friends. You know, that's kind of sad because ideally, family should be the first place where friendships are formed. I think the next place is school. You go off to elementary school and spend hours and hours in the classroom or time on the playground or you go to sport teams with other kids. You find out, People have common interests and similar values and personalities, and you start to bond with them and hang out with them in college. I mean, I have some great friends that I formed, uh, formed relationships with in college that are even friends to this day at work, in your neighborhood. Many of you have found friends in those places as well. You know where I found my best friends my whole life? I found them at church. Now, I know church doesn't have perfect people, and there are some weird ones at church. Just look around the room. Kind of look around the room. There's some people who say, I don't know if I want to be friends with that person. But honestly, the best friends in my whole life I have found in churches. And you know why that is? Because we share some common values, the value of God in my life. And, and when you have that, it just builds a foundation for a friendship. So you were formed for friendships, and friends make our lives better. He says two are better than one. Now, that's so true of life. Two legs are better than one, right? Two, two arms are better than one. Two eyes are better than one. Two ears are better than one. Two friends are better than one. And he says why that's true. Here are some of the benefits of that. Uh, we accomplish more with them. We accomplish more with friends. When you have chores to do, isn't it so much better to do it with somebody? Uh, as a kid, uh, we never had a dishwasher, uh, automatic dishwasher. I was the dishwasher for many years, and I was the dish dryer for many years. We would always do dishes as, as siblings, brother and sister doing dishes together, and it just helped time to pass by when you're doing something together. Two people can accomplish more than two individuals separately, and the reason for that is this kind of miracle called synergy. Synergy is a big word that simply means we can do more work together than separately. We can get more done if we do it together. And a good example of this is with this uh, horse called the Belgian horse, a huge horse, powerful, strong horse. And they'll often do competitions to see how much this horse can pull. And they found that the Belgian draft horse can pull about 8,000 pounds, quite a bit. You put two of those horses together, and I'm going to do a quiz here. Kids, you get a chance to answer. If you put two of those horses together, do your math, how much can they pull? How many of you would say 12,000 pounds? How many of you say 16,000 pounds? How many of you say more? 20,000 pounds. <laughs> so your adult's hands go up now because you know that that's true. They can pull not only 20,000 pounds, they can pull together up to 24,000 pounds. And I've learned that if those horses are actually trained 
to be harnessed together. They practice that. They can pull up to 30,000 pounds together. That's almost four times what they could do individually. And the, and the principle is synergy. They can do more together than they could separately. Here's normal math. One plus one equals what? Two. Here's, here's friendship math. One plus one equals three. Maybe even four. That means how much work you're going to do. You can actually do more when you're doing it with friends. Friends help us accomplish more. We're also safer with friends. If one falls down, someone can pick them up. Now, that's true physically. If you trip, someone can give you a hand and pull you up. But it's also true emotionally and spiritually. I think even more true. That when you stumble, when you fall, when you're in a difficult place, and you're just feeling so down, isn't it great to have a friend who comes and picks you up, puts a smile on your face, you know, hugs you, lets you know everything's going to be okay? We need pick-me-up kind of friends. Because we get, we get pretty beat up in life. When I was a kid, I would go to the public pool or to um, Clear Lake, and the lifeguard there would remind us to practice the buddy system. I don't know if they still do that today, but the buddy system means that you find a partner and you guys watch out for each other. And if someone gets in trouble or danger, that, that you need to alert someone. Or if you can help, you help. But nobody should be alone because can, bad things can happen when you're alone. We are safer when we're with friends. Here's something else that, that friendship is good for. We're happier sharing with them. He says if you're cold and shivering, you, don't, you can't really do much. But if you can, you can snuggle up to somebody. By the way, how many of you in this room would say uh, you're a snuggler? In, in fact, may, today's a good snuggle day, right, kids? You want to get warm, you get real snuggly with mom or dad, cozy. And uh, some of you are like little heaters. Sometimes we, have to, we need a break from you because you're so warm. Uh, especially those little, like, toddlers. They are like, they're like furnaces. And uh, so you hold them close, and, and the heat, you, you share each other's warmth. And it's better that's the way life is. Like, who wants to have a baseball without someone to play catch with? Who wants to have a pool in their backyard without friends that can come over and enjoy it? I, I know a guy, he's here today, he bought a boat, bought a pontoon boat. And he said, uh, I, I bought this boat not because I love boats. I bought the boat because I love people. And, and he's talked about times to go down and take his family or take friends down to Pueblo Reservoir, have a party on the lake. Some of you bought a house. And when you bought that house, you, you looked not only for the bedrooms for your, all your kids, you said, I, wanna, I want a room big enough so we can invite people over to the house. When, when we moved to Colorado, we picked a house that had a room big enough that we could hold the Bible study in because we wanted to have people in our house. Life is just so much better with friends, especially when you get to share it with them. In a, in actually, in a week from today, Super Bowl Sunday. Next week, there's going to be a lot of orange in this room. There's going to be a lot of excitement in this room um, because of, of what's coming. And some of you are going to watch a football game, and you hate football. And the reason you're going to watch a football game is because you love people, and you love snacks, and you love funny commercials. <laughs> but you're really not into football. That's okay. You're going to cheer with people. You're going to celebrate. But you love the experience. You love the environment because, because that, that is one of those kind of days. It's a day to share, to share with other people. People make life better because you share. It's not so much what you do, but who you do it with. And then he says something else about friendship, that we are stronger with friends. He said, by yourself, you can get overwhelmed, but if you have someone with you, they can help defend you. And then he says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, I, I need your help. Come right up here. Yeah, yeah. Now, 
I'm going to allow you. Can you, can you break this in half? Use your knee. Smack it. Yes! Yes! Okay, okay. Now. That's not, am I being cruel to kids? Okay. Now this is, a, this is like a cord of three strands because it's, it's actually three sticks. Now don't hit that over your knee because we don't want your knee to break. But can you even crack that a little bit? It's pretty strong, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because a cord of three strands or a bind of three sticks is not easily broken. Let's give her a hand. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I was actually going to have Brandon try this, but I'm afraid you can break it, so I'm not going to let you do that. You know, we, we often uh, allude that to Jesus Christ. I've, I've done weddings where people have said, you know, that's the, that's the third strand. And, it's, and, it, and it really is a great principle that when Christ is bound to relationship, uh, it's even stronger. But, it, but honestly, what this passage is saying is that there's strength in numbers. You know, all of us want to be part of a group and to be strengthened by that group. That when we're down, when we're struggling with things, uh, our friends help to pick us up. You know, we, we find times in our lives where we feel alone, we feel overwhelmed, we feel defeated, we feel like throwing in the towel or giving up. And our friends say, you know what, don't, don't give up. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to stand beside you. We're going to be strong. And you're going to make it. And you just need someone who believes in you, someone who's willing to come along beside you. We all need friends like that. And I think that's why there's a hunger within the human soul to belong, to be part of a family, to be part of a group or a tribe. It's unfortunate that the word gang has such negative connotations because that's another word for group. A gang, we think of violence, we think of bullying, we think of all kinds of negative things. But the truth is a gang is a group where people feel accepted and they, they belong. It becomes their family, kind of a dysfunctional family, but it's still a family. And we long for that. When I was in high school, I became part of a youth group. It was called the Koinonia Youth Group. And this youth group was composed of athletes and, and nerds and band members and future farmers of America and boys and girls from freshman all the way to senior. And you know what I found? These kids that I didn't really talk to at high school, all of a sudden in my church, got to know me and I got to know them and we got to be friends. And it was because we had this common interest of growing in our relationship with the Lord. Our lives are better with friends. And some of you might be asking, but Pastor... I don't have many friends, or I don't have any friends. I don't know what's wrong with me. I want to assure you, there's, there's nothing wrong with you. There really isn't. You're a very likable person. But some of us have to learn to get out of ourselves and not worry about what people think of us. I want to share with you some things, and I'm just going to focus primarily on this first one here, uh, of, of what we can do to help establish friendships, how to build lasting friendships and so the first one is this, be genuinely interested in other people. Really show a genuine interest. In the book of Philippians, chapter 2, it says, In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your, own, to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. We live in a culture that values privacy and independence. And so to have your own bedroom, to have your own cell phone, to have your own car is a big deal. Have your own house, big deal. And, and you want that privacy, but here's the downside of it. We have communicated through our independence that I don't need other people. And so when you want to make friends, 
The danger is you've already communicated you don't need other people. You don't really want other people in your life. You want to be independent. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about needing other people in the sense of I'm clingy, I'm suffocating, I'm a needy person. But I want you to think of it this way. Because I've heard sometimes people say things like this. Well, I don't need to be around other people. I, I don't need more people in my life. I don't need more people in my life necessarily for what they give to me. I need more people in my life because of what God wants to give through me to them. You know, yesterday I met with a hundred some volunteers that are going to participate in this amazing event called Night to Shine. If you've never heard of it, it is a phenomenal event where special needs teens and young adults come here and they get to have something most of them have never experienced before, a prom event that's catered to them. And so we came together to devote our time to learning what we could do to make this night special to them. People paid for their own background check, $7 to have their own background check done. They're going to give up hours of their time Friday night, February 12th, to be here at this church, give attention, total attention to another human being with special needs. And I'm going to tell you, they're not doing it because what they need to get from that person. They're doing it because God's put something in them that they want to give. God's filled them so full of love. They said, I, I have so much love, I've got to give it away. And here's someone who I feel that I can love well, that I can care for well. I need other people in my life, not because of, of what I need from them. I, I need people in my life because of what God can do through me for them. It's like this pastor I know that says, my, my job is to empty my cup. My job is to give myself away, and I need other people in my life to give myself to. So you've got to be interested in them. And I'm, I'm a shy person by nature. I'm more reserved. And as a pastor, I've had to learn how to be more outgoing and engaging with other people. And you know what I found? I actually love to get to meet strangers. I, I, I love to go up to new people and, and get to meet them. And you may say, Pastor, that's not like me. I'm not about to go and talk to someone I don't even know. Let me just ask you how ridiculous that is. How are we ever going to know someone if you never talk to them? Somebody has to initiate it. Why not, why not make it you? And so at church, every week I meet people and go up, Hi, I am Darren. What's your name? What's your name? Oh, that's great. How'd you, how'd you happen to choose Pikes Peak Christian Church today? Do you know anybody in the church? Where do you work? What school do you go to? And as I'm starting to get answers from people, it triggers more questions. And, and I show that I'm genuinely interested in them and, and their life. And when you do that, amazing things start to happen. I'm amazed oftentimes when I see people sitting near each other and, they're, and it's like there's this dead silence. And what I'm thinking of, don't you care enough about that person even to ask them a question? And, and it works in our families too. Sometimes we sit around the table and it's real silent. I'm just going to encourage you, ask a question. My son-in-law is so good at this. I've got three grandkids in Tennessee, and, and he's a great dad. But the other day, he sat each of them down privately and asked them a series of questions. Questions like, um, what does dad say to you most often? Where does dad work? What, is, what does dad like to do outside? And it was just really fascinating to hear the answers from the kids. And it just showed me, man, they really know their dad pretty well. They were really off on how tall his dad. One of the kids said he was eight foot. Someone else said three foot eight or something. It was just bizarre. But, but you know what? They all agreed on one thing when dad says, what does dad say to you most often? They all said, I love you. It was very clear. I mean, parents, do you know your kid's best friend by name? Do you, do you know your kid's favorite TV show or character? Do you know their favorite song? Do you know their favorite chore? Their least favorite chore? Do you know what they like to do best with you? I mean, these are kinds of questions that when you go home for lunch today, I encourage you, ask your kids those questions. Ask them, 
Let them, let them start to talk because we need to show that we are interested in them. That's how you begin a great friendship. You know, there's some other things we can do to show uh, that we really care about people and we want to develop friendship. Another one is open your heart. And I won't go into that a, a lot of depth, but, but Jesus told his disciples that, you know, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from the Father I've made known to you. In other words, I'm opening my heart to you. I'm letting you see inside. When you could see inside my heart, it's a thing called vulnerability. It's like I'm opening up a door and letting you see in. And so many of us are guarded. We'll tell people sports information, weather information, car information, but we're going to keep this thing closed, especially guys. We've learned to protect ourselves, so we don't do that very well. We don't talk about feelings. We don't talk about fears. We don't talk about dreams and beliefs, thoughts. Why? Because it can be dangerous. People may think I'm weird, may think I'm weak. So I'm not going to share that kind of stuff. But I tell you, the men in this room have as much going on inside of them as the women. And yet we close it down. And we need a friend to open up to. And here's what happens. When you open yourself to another person, when you initiate vulnerability, that person feels like, oh my, this is sacred ground. That person has invited me into this special place. I'm going to treasure that. It's like when you're a kid and you say, I have a crush on this girl, but I can't tell everyone. I'm going to tell this friend. It's like I'm going to give you this piece of information about my heart but please be careful with it and when they prove themselves faithful you can open up more we need friends like that here's another thing we need to do to uh, to grow in friendships give yourself away I, I love what jesus said again in john 15 13 greater love has no one than this that one lay down his life for who for his friends a friend is willing to give so much of himself or herself away that it's it's their very life when you develop that kind of friendship to where you love someone enough to say, you know what, if you, if you need to call me at, at 1 in the morning, you call me. If you, need to, if you need money, you tell me. If you need anything from me, you let me know because I'm your friend. In fact, if you don't, I'm going to be hurt. And you don't get offended by those calls. Some people bother you. When you have a friendship with someone, that doesn't bother you. You, you, you actually feel honored that they would allow you to meet a need in their life. You have to be willing to make the sacrifices. You've got to be willing to go out of your way to give up your time, your money, your freedom for the sake of someone else. I look at, at uh, a man in the Old Testament, a guy named Jonathan. Jonathan was heir to the throne. His dad was King Saul. And King Saul screwed up, did some very bad things, and God says, I'm going to take the kingdom from you and give it to this other man named David. So Jonathan looked at David. And you'd think Jonathan would be jealous of David. Jonathan would have thought, like, David, you're going to take my position. That's my job. You're going to take it. And yet Jonathan says, that's going to be my best friend. And Jonathan loved David so much, and David loved Jonathan, that their friendship was so tight, they were willing to lay down their lives for each other. That's, that's a deep friendship. Now, I want to mention to you that as we are trying to develop our own friendships, adults, you can play a critical role in helping your kids develop deeper friendships. And you could do it in, in a number of ways. First of all, I would encourage you that, that prayer is powerful. Pray for your kids when they go off to school. Pray for your kids that they would develop good, healthy friendships. Pray for the boy or girl that they will date one day. Pray for the future spouse of your child. It, it, it's not too early to do that even when they're, they're just born. Start to pray for, for that person. It's so critical. Getting the right friends and the right spouse in life is so huge that we need to be praying for that. We need to be agonizing for our, for our kids. Here's something else we should do. 
create environments for them to establish good friendships. You, don't, you have no clue when your kids go off into other areas, to another person's house, to the school, of who's going to become their friend. But here's what you could do. You could say, I'm going to create environments that I can help monitor. I know a guy in our church that when his kids were in high school, he would um, come home from work, grab a few pizzas, and tell his kids, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm bringing pizzas home. Get some of your buddies together and bring them over to the house. You know, the kids thought, my, my dad's awesome. He's got pizza, and I'm going to have my friends. But here's, here's what the dad was thinking. I'd rather have my kids in my house with other kids than to have them somewhere else where I have no clue what's going on. Because I can watch and, and pick out which friends are good, which friends I want them to have long-term relationships with. When my son was in high school, I determined, that I want my son to have good godly friends. So some of us dads got together, and we began to meet before school on Tuesday mornings with our sons. And these boys began to uh, have devotions together and eat pizza for breakfast and just share the times and to go off to school together and develop tighter friendships. And those friendships have continued even to this day. You can create environments in your own home so that your kids can have healthy friendships. And then you need to model them in your own life. Let kids see you, how you interact with your friends. Have another couple over. Let them see you play games, how you don't lose your temper. They, they need to see how you interact as couples with other people, with adult friends. How does that work? They need to see that. They need to see your buddies, how you interact with them so it can be modeled. And model it within your own home with your kids. Sit down and ask your kids questions. Ask them about their day. Ask them about their heart, how they're feeling. Show genuine interest in them. Practice the principles of friendship within your own household. And here's where parents, I think, sometimes mess up. In fact, I was talking to a couple this week, and they were struggling with this. Now, Delaney, I said I was going to use you here. So, Delaney, come on up here. And young man, could you come up too? I'm going to need both of you. because. Hey, Delaney, you're going to get to wear this hat. Okay? You're Michael. Okay, Michael, you're going to get to wear a hat too. You know what hat this is? This is a sheriff's hat. So, Okay, so you're going to stand right here. Hey, Michael. You're going to wear the hat of one of the best teams in pro football <laughs> that didn't make the Super Bowl. <laughs> Green Bay Packers. Okay, now here's the two hats parents wear. This is, the, this is the authority hat. This is the rule hat. This is the hat that says, you better do what I say. Okay, so parents make rules. Curfew. Uh, what you can eat, what you can't eat, what you can watch, what you can't watch. Uh, who you can play with, what you do after school, all those kind of rules. Th th this is the authority hat. You enforce the rules. Now, whenever you put a ball cap on, we're going to have fun. So this, this is the relationship hat. We're just going to enjoy the relationship. We're going to go play. We're going to play catch. We're going to watch movies. We're going to eat pizza. We're just going to have a good time. But here's the problem. I know a lot of parents who say, I want to be this kind of a parent. I'm going to be the fun parent. I'm going to be all about our relationship. And when you have your kids growing up and you're going to be their little buddy, and sometimes, especially if you're a single parent, you're trying to make up sort of some pain in the kids' lives. I just want their life to be really good. I'm going to be their buddy. Here's the problem. When you start off like this and you're, you're the fun parent, the playful parent, when your kids start to break the boundaries, start to violate rules, and you bring this hat out and say, okay, time to enforce the rules, it's too late. In fact, you get a lot of pushback from your kids. You have rebellious teenagers who are going to fight you because they have not established respect for you with this hat. Now, there's other parents who love wearing this hat. They, That's my job as a parent. Raise good kids who behave and honor God. And you need to listen up a little bit and recognize there's a, you can do that and you should do that, 
but there's a time to put the fun hat on. Focus on the relationship. Go watch a movie. Go have a snowball fight. Do something that's really cool and fun. And when it works real white, here's kind of how it operates. Kids are little. It's a lot about the boundaries. We're establishing rules. We're establishing guidelines. We wear this hat on occasion. But as the kids get older, you'll find I need to wear this hat less and less and this hat more and more. And when you get to be an adult, you almost never wear that hat. And this is the hat you want to wear. Because really, don't you and I want to have our kids say, Mom and Dad, we want to come over and hang out with you. You're fun to be with. We want to spend our time with you. You want this. You can't have this if you don't first establish this. Does that make sense? So parents, we, we need to have fun. Let's give these two kids a hand. You did awesome. Thank you. No, that's not the Broncos. It's the Packers. And here's something else that you can do for your kids. Point them to Jesus. You know, there are times in, I, in my life when I needed a, a good friend and there wasn't one there. And in high school, so people said, there's somebody who's very interested in you. His name is Jesus. He knows your name. He knows the struggles. He knows what you're going through. He knows everything inside of you. And he wants to be your Savior, your Lord, and your friend. I never knew that. I thought God was some strange person we had there. But he, to know that Jesus wanted to be my friend really interested me. And so I began to look into it. And one day I decided I was going to give my life to Jesus. I told God I was sorry for the sins I committed. I said, I'm sorry that I've ignored you my whole life. I want to follow you. I want you to forgive me, cleanse my heart, and walk with me. And here's what happened. Jesus became not only my forgiver of my sin, not only the leader of my life, but the best friend I've ever had. Because there are times in your life when your friends fail you, even your best friends, and Jesus has never failed me. And here's a principle I've learned. Jesus is like this stick. This is metal. This is unbreakable. It's not going to bend. And all it takes is one stick, one fragile stick, bound with Jesus, and it's unbreakable. You don't even need two or three. You just need you and Jesus. You want to add a spouse? You want to add kids? You want to add a youth group? That's all great. But you need Jesus most of all. Jesus is the friend that will never fail you. Jesus accepts you. He understands you like nobody else. And he wants to know you intimately. He wants to know your thoughts, your fears, all that stuff going on inside. And that's why, even today, we want to give you an opportunity to say, Jesus, I want to open my life to you. I want you to be that kind of friend in my life. We're going to do everything we can as a church to set up good relationships. And that's why from, from early childhood all the way up through adults, we, we promote a thing called small groups. A small group is a bunch of people and a leader gathered around Jesus. And when you bound them all together, they are so strong. You need, you need Christian friends, but most of all, you need Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I'm going to close this in prayer. I'm going to invite our prayer partners to be available up in front because there might be a boy or girl here today. There might be a mom or dad or grandparent today that says, you know what, I, I've known about Jesus. I don't know him as my friend. How do you do that? How does that work? Or some of you say, I didn't, I didn't know he loved me that much. I need a friend like him because I'm going through things in my life that reveals I need a friend like Jesus. We want to invite you after I'm done praying 
to come up as we dismiss. We want to meet with you, pray with you, and we'll help you to know how to have a growing friendship with Jesus Christ. So, Father, thank you so much that Jesus loves us deeply, that he doesn't call us sinners. He calls us friends, and he lays his life down for us. Thank you for this morning, Father. Thank you for our families. I pray, Father, that our families would grow in friendship, that our church would go in relationships, and, Lord, that we would recognize the fact that our lives are better because of friends. And thank you for being that faithful friend that will never leave us or forsake us. You tell us that you'll be with us to the end of our lives. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.